Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. The sermon this last week was preached by Pastor Kim. It was All Saints Sunday, and it was an important message that she brought to us in the wake of the tragic shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. And so this week's message is very timely, it's emotional, it's raw, and it's heartfelt. Um, I hope that you get something out of this message and that it helps you encounter the risen Christ. Without further ado, here's the sermon. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So one of my favorite parts of my old job was that I got to travel overseas with students, and I particularly loved taking them to Greece because it's one of my favorite countries. And for many of them, it's the first time that they've gone overseas, or at the very least, it's the first time they've gone overseas without their families. And as a result of that, it wasn't unusual for them to have some pre-trip anxiety. And so as we were traveling, when I saw two of my kiddos huddled together at the boarding gate in JFK, I just assumed it was the normal pre-trip jitters and I went over there to see if I could sort of assuage those. But when I asked them what they were talking about, they paused for a moment. Then one of them said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, we're trying to figure out how we can hide the fact that we're Jewish. Now, these were kids who were proud of their faith and their heritage as middle schoolers. They'd just gone through their bar and bat mitzvahs. But as it turned out, they were kids who were scared of the anti-Semitism that they might encounter once they left their community, that they might encounter while they traveled. And honestly, if I can be vulnerable with you, I'm embarrassed to admit that I didn't take their fears all that seriously. I mean... Anti-Semitism, anti-Judaism, it wasn't something that I had witnessed. And as I say that out loud, I realize how silly it sounds, but it is what I was thinking. And so because I hadn't seen it, it must just not exist anymore, right? And so my reaction to these children was to reassure them that they'd be okay. And they did have a wonderful trip. But while we were there, We had to talk about the swastikas we saw painted on dumpsters by the far-right political party Golden Dawn. And when I went to the Jewish Museum in Athens, I had to be buzzed in through a heavy door and questioned. My passport was checked, it was registered, and I remained under the watchful eye of both private security and Athenian police. Clearly, my children's concerns were valid. But I had dismissed the truth of their experiences, and I had to ask myself in that moment, why didn't I listen to them? And while it is true that 13-year-olds are, at times, known for their exaggeration, if I'm honest with myself, 
I have to admit that the real reason I hadn't believed them was this. To believe them would mean that I would have to admit that these amazing humans whom I care about so deeply were less safe in this world than I am simply because of their faith, because of their heritage. I would have to change my own worldview, and that would mean that I would have to think about things differently and even act differently, and honestly, that can be an uncomfortable thing. And so I chose not to trust their experiences until I had absolute proof to the contrary. And for that, I say to you now, I'm sorry. For that, I repent. I repent of my own blindness to the suffering of others. As a representative of the church, I repent of the ways in which we have used our faith to hurt others instead of showing them God's love. And I repent that I've clung to the safety of my own worldview when I should have been standing in solidarities with others who needed me. And it may be that for many of you, the Pittsburgh synagogue attack or one of the other acts of violence that seem to be plaguing our nation with astounding frequency, it may be that one of those events have also shaken you out of a safe worldview. Because every act of violence, especially those that occur in sacred places, Every act of violence forces us to look around and say, but wait, this mental world we've created for ourselves, this world where humans have moved past hatred and where we all have a happy life and a happy ending if we just try hard enough, that world shatters and fear sets in. To receive proof of the power of hatred threatens to throw our sense of order and our trust in a loving God into chaos. And as we observe All Saints Day today, I think there's a parallel between the way those events affect us and the way that death affects us. Because when death occurs, it also shatters our world over and over again. Even when we know death is coming, at some level, we're still surprised every time. Even when we know that someone is dying at the end of a long life, when it relieves their pain, when we believe that they are at peace at last, there's still never enough time. All of a sudden, our world is shaken, and we have to redefine our own stories. And in the midst of it, we ask ourselves, where is God in this? Where is God? Why did God allow this to happen? And these questions, they're the questions that both Mary and Martha ask in our reading today. A little bit before our reading, in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in our gospel, Mary, as she kneels at the feet of Christ, says the exact same thing. Where were you, God? Where were you when I lost my child? Where were you when my mother or my father was suffering? Where were you when that man went into that synagogue or into a church in Charleston or into a mosque in Quebec and killed innocent, loving, worshiping people? Where are you in the midst of this crazy, messed-up world? If you had been there, Lord, this would not have happened. And it matters here that Jesus doesn't respond to Mary and Martha by saying, well, Martha, well, Mary, if you just had more faith, you'd be focused on the resurrection rather than your grief. 
Jesus doesn't say, hey there, stop crying, I'll have Lazarus, Lazarus back to you in a second. Instead, our text says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And it goes on to say, Jesus began to weep, not to get a little teary, not to sniffle, to weep. And the Greek word that's translated here as deeply moved, it also means to be in disorder. The same sorrow, the same disruption of our lives, the same disorder that we feel when someone dies, Jesus felt that too, despite the fact that Jesus knew he knew. In a few minutes, he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. But still he grieved, and still he wept. And he allowed Mary and he allowed Martha space to do the same. Because we belong to a God who loves us enough to know what it's like to feel our pain. There's a Jewish custom called Shiva, and it occurs during the week after someone is buried. During Shiva, the closest people to the person who had died stays at home, and the community comes in, and they supply all their needs, physical, emotional, companionship. No greetings are exchanged, no pleasantries, no message of shalom, of peace is given. Instead, friends and family are encouraged to sit quietly in grief with those mourning. And there's wisdom for us there, because it does seem to me that often we talk a lot when people most need us to listen. And at the same time, God often seems very quiet when we most want to hear God's voice. But I wonder, as I think about our gospel and as I think about this ritual of Shiva, if the silence that we hear from God is simply this, that God is sitting Shiva with us. God mourns with us, just as Jesus mourned with Mary and Martha. Because as Jesus' people, we are allowed to both grieve and rejoice, to have sorrow and to have hope. Today we commemorate all saints, and we engage in both. We live in that tension. We remember people we've lost, and we grieve that they're absent from our lives, and we mourn the way that their disappearance has disrupted our world. But like Martha, we also boldly proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. We stand in the midst of grief, and we say, I don't understand this, but nonetheless, you are God. Blessed be the name. And we remember the end of our gospel today, that the grave does not win, that when all hope seems lost, Jesus called Lazarus into life once again. And although it's true that our loved ones might not come back to life the way we want them to in this moment, their story also has not ended, and neither will ours. Because Jesus himself went on to die on a cross, and his resurrection has freed us and freed them from the bonds of death. And so we are called as Jesus' people to look to the hope of resurrection. We look to the promise of a world restored with grace and peace. And we gather together to comfort one another and to celebrate. This morning at the 11 o'clock service, we'll rejoice as we welcome Riley and Oliver as new members in God's loving family. 
as they are baptized into Christ's death and into Christ's resurrection. And together we take heart in Jesus' famous words to Martha in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And so we step out, even in grief, as a Christian community to show God's love to others in concrete ways, proclaiming the resurrection that is to come. Because we are a both-and people, sinners and saints. We die and we live. We exist in a world that's full of tragedy, but we also exist in a world that's full of exquisite and wondrous beauty. So we commemorate those who have died in the hope of the resurrection, and we welcome new members into the family of Christ. We ask God why, and we proclaim God's greatness. And so at this time of mourning and dancing, in a moment we'll sing a song of praise, celebrating the fact that no matter what, God is present. God is here for us. God loves us in life, in death, in baptism, and in mourning. And that the promise of resurrection is as true for us now as it was for Lazarus so many years ago. But first, I'd like to invite us as a community to join our Jewish siblings this week in praying a prayer called the Mourner's Kaddish that also proclaims God's glory in the midst of sadness as we commemorate those who died at Pittsburgh worshiping God as well as our own loved ones that we've lost. Please feel free to listen or to join in on the amends. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.